Welcome to Locked On NBA. On today's show, the Nuggets roll to a Game 1 win over the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. What does this say about what we should expect from the rest of the series? All of that and more on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. on NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Adam Mares. However, you might be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Recording this uh, on the night, or I guess it's the morning now, Adam, uh, following game one of the NBA finals. Man, uh, we're both here in Denver. Um, and I, my first reaction, watching the Miami Heat go up to the Denver Nuggets, and you and I, we've done previews, we've talked about those series, and it's just one of those things where I was like, okay, what are the Heat going to do with Denver's size? What are they going to do with Nikola Jokic? What are they going to do with all these things? And it was apparent right away that the size for the Denver Nuggets was something that the Heat were not prepared for or could not just deal with. They had 20 points in the paint in the first quarter, Adam. 20 of their 46 points in the paint came in that first quarter. Aaron Gordon cutting to the basket. Nikola Jokic just dime dropping everywhere, getting into his space. By, uh, in the paint and just being there in person I was like wow like the size difference I don't know that there's anything that you could do to scheme against it it's just going to be a thing that the Heat have to deal with all series long however it lasts yeah hey, I'm curious to ask you about that you know later on I, to, I always think game ones are teams try to go in with a default setting I mean they make a strategy of course of both teams I thought Denver was very well prepared but you know Caleb Martin in the starting lineup has been the best punch for the Miami Heat. And so you come into this one saying, all right, let's see how our best punch, your best punch, your kind of default setting. And I thought if Miami did that, and I don't think they'll continue to do it, but if they did that, that Aaron Gordon was just going to be too big. There's, It's rare to have a player that has his combination of size and strength, but also his mobility to be able to guard, you know, the, the Caleb Martin types of the world. So not just on him, but in any cross match, I mean, you were seeing Gabe Vincent in transition sometimes matched up on him. You were seeing different guys in Denver. I just thought their size all game really, really stood out, but especially in that first quarter with Aaron Gordon. Um, and I don't know. We'll talk about it later. I don't know that that's like the end point of all of this, but I do think it's one of those things that says, yes, that's just not gonna, something you can solve with that lineup. You're going to have to solve it with probably changing up rotations. Yeah, I, I don't know if and when Spo will will take Caleb Martin out and maybe change that lineup. I don't really know what the other option is. Like Kevin Love back at power forward, he didn't even play tonight, you know? And right. I don't know, like Cody Zeller in his seven, eight minutes did much. I, I I don't really know what the other option is. They did start to figure things out as the game went along. They they weren't switching so easily. Like Aaron Gordon just getting Gabe Vincent and Max Struess on his back over and over in the first quarter. They tried to get away from that, kick those guys out of switches, do some things there. Uh, obviously playing some zone as the, as the game went on, although not a whole lot when Nikola Jokic was on the court. Um, so there's things you have to do, but it's, again, it's just like this big, it's like this big elephant in the room where you're just like, all right, we're just constantly dealing with this. And it takes you out of some of the other things. It kind of distracts you from the other things that you want to do. For example, like the heat had just five steals tonight. They weren't forcing as many turnovers. And that's sort of like a big, uh, uh, battleground for the heat in this series is how, how can they create turnovers and get points in transition and, and and more importantly, take points away from Denver's offense? And when you're not switching and you're not kind of doing all those things, you're kind of just trying to stay home and stay in front of guys. 
I, I don't know that you're able to get to some of your other strong points. You know, we saw them fronting and stuff. I, I just, it wasn't all that effective. You know, I, yeah. well, Denver, you know, Denver has a lot of chemistry, especially their yeah. core pieces in that starting lineup. And that was one of the things tonight. I mean, fronting the post was clearly a big part of the game plan for Miami tonight, but Denver immediately adjusted. In fact, on the very first play of the game, they run this little like cross action for Jokic that they always run to get him a post up and immediately bam fronts and immediately Jokic just screams bam. So if you're going to front me, he sets, he, instead of setting a screen on Jamal Murray's guy or posting up, he just screens bam so that Murray, when he attacks around the corner, bam has to step up, but he's being screened. That's an adjustment. You, most teams have to make like, all right, they're fronting. How do we attack this? Let's do this or that. Denver's been doing this so long with the same yeah. guys that it was just, it, it was the first play. The very first one, yep. and they get the hanging Murray, you know, floater or whatever. And at Denver, that's really what makes them so special, as they have the chemistry to know. There's only so many variables in a defense. I mean, there's there's a lot of them, but there's only so many. Denver's seen them all, so when they see one, it's like, oh, go to the playbook. We know what to do, and they're gonna know exactly like what come like they're probably going to know what the heat will probably try to do in game two. Cause it's kind of the same stuff. Like you said over and over that people keep trying just Nikola Jokic. It's, he's just unsolvable, man. And we know that, but you can't let Aaron Gordon have 12 points in the first quarter. If you're the heat, like that's just a non-starter. And you know, I felt like this one was kind of out of hand early. I know that Miami cut the lead to what was it like nine points in the fourth quarter. It was up to as many as 24 points. I mean, I guess they, they were like a Jimmy Butler takeover away from maybe stealing this one late. Also kind of felt like Denver took their foot off the gas. And when Miami did cut it into single digits, they put Jokic back in the game. And then the, it went right back up to like 16 points in like two minutes. But at the same time, Miami, not every team fights to the last. And Miami does. Yeah. And I am with you. I kind of felt like Denver lost, you know, focus or whatever. It was starting to run out the clock. Sometimes it can be hard to play with a 20-point lead because it's hard to stay serious enough. But Miami, I'm with you. There was a moment there where I go – he outplayed him too much to let this get close and let something crazy happen. I mean, Jimmy yeah. hasn't had a great game. It's too close to let him hit a three or here or there and, and get it going. But to your point, Denver, every time Miami had a mini run, it never lasted more than three or four minutes. That fourth quarter one was probably the longest, and it was maybe four or five minutes. And I felt like I'll have to go back and rewatch the tape. Even in that sequence, Miami's playing zone in the fourth quarter. I thought Denver got a bunch of good shots. And we're, mm -hmm. we're missing them. So it mm -hmm. kind of just felt like, all right, it's, stick with the process. You're going to figure it out. And, of course, they also had this last adjustment in their chamber in the fourth quarter. Jokic shot the ball. I mean, what did he have, six shots going into the yeah. fourth or something like that? I mean, Yeah, he had a bunch of free throws before that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but just but it, clearly not an aggressive scoring night for Jokic. Like he saw other things going on and, and was playing another way. But in the fourth, when Denver did miss shots off of good process, I thought – Again, in the final four minutes or so, Jokic said, all right, I'm going to now press just for a little bit, just for a couple minutes. And he ends up getting 12 shots, which is not that many. But it was enough for him to be the leading scorer tonight. Of all the things that happened tonight, Wes, how is Jokic the leading scorer? It's, it, it's crazy. I mean, Bam Adebayo had a great game. He was a point shy of Jokic. Bam had 26 points. Jokic had 27. Jokic, obviously, another triple-double. That's just what's going to happen nowadays. So final score is 104-93. I'm not even sure if I said that. But why? To you, before we go to our next segment, what stood out to you about Den uh, Denver's performance? Why was it kind of just, frankly, an easy win for them? Well, one of the big questions coming into this was rest versus rust. 
you know, Denver has been was in such a great rhythm. What was it going to be like? And I had heard, you know, through all these presses and even just talking to people, you know, in the hallway, like, hey, man, what's it been like? You know, what's the team like? Everybody's saying, I know it sounds crazy, but they're just so locked in. Like there was a nine day break, but this team has been just business, just locked in, just focused and chomping at the bit to get back on the court. And that to me is what stood out on the Nuggets end was it wasn't a great game in every aspect, but that was a very serious game from the Nuggets. They were ready. They were well prepared from a scouting report standpoint, but they also just came out hungry and focused. And I did not think this was a rusty game from them at all. Michael Malone before the game telling a story about meeting up with his one of his daughters last night and her asking him if he was nervous about the finals and him just flexing pregame. He's like, yeah, I told her I'm, I wasn't nervous at all. And he said it's because they felt so prepared and all these things. And obviously they were. I thought the rest versus rust thing was a little bit overblown. I don't know why having 10 days off as a, a, a team with so much chemistry and 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 just knows how to execute so well and with a player such as Nikola Jokic. I, I just never really – I would have been so shocked if they were – if Rust played a major factor, especially considering that they were going up again. Maybe one thing if the other team was off also, but like Miami, I don't know that you could say they, they were in rhythm after that Boston series. I felt like they were just beat up after that Boston yeah. series. So. I mean, there's a little bit of both. Both teams had something, you know, fatigue for Miami, too much rest or rust. But Denver's a rhythm team, and they're yeah. a chemistry team. And I think it is – you know, I understand why you would wonder if they lost that rhythm and that chemistry just from not playing. Sometimes you get knocked out of flow and it takes a while to get it going again. But for Denver tonight, for whatever reason, they went right back into it and looked like for three quarters, at least they looked like the team that had got them through the playoffs. Uh, the Western Conference at a 12 and three record now 13 and three record through the playoffs so far. And now six straight wins, seven straight wins for Denver, four against mm. L.A., two against this Phoenix, one against Miami. So. Another trend that Denver has really turned it on since halfway through that Phoenix series. Um, you mentioned Denver looking like the team that they've looked like for most of the postseason. Miami did not look like the team that they've looked like for most of the postseason. What can change for the Heat? Do they have any answers? We're going to talk about that next. But first, today's episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. If you're feeling really great about your Denver Nuggets right now, they're opened up as a nine-point favorite in Game 2 against the Miami Heat. If you think that the Heat are going to bounce back even a little bit and just make this thing more competitive, nine points feels like a lot of points to be giving, Adam. I think... Personally, I think game two is going to be a lot more competitive than game one was. That nine point, that nine point spread is looking a little fat for me. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Uh, all right. So, we came up with this game kind of expectations versus reality type of thing based on what it is that Miami did in, in game one, what can we expect different or maybe even the same uh, in Sunday night's game two. And I think the number one thing I'm starting with for the Miami heat is the three point shooting. They go 13 of 39 from three in game one, so 33%. I actually liked, 
a lot of the looks that they got, Adam, I thought they missed a bunch of open ones. Like Duncan Robinson going one of five, Max Strews inexplicably going zero of nine. That's just not where they've been this playoff run. I said going into the series, it feels like they need to shoot 40%. It kind of That's going to have to be the equalizer for them to kind of reach Denver's floor offensively. Shooting 33%, that's not going to cut it. I I do think that they're going to shoot better. If they're, if they're getting those same looks that they got uh, or something similar like they got in game one, because if they get, if they're getting those kinds of looks, I expect a much better shooting performance from the heat. Well, I think that's when we talk about, you know, fatigue and having to go from a game seven mm-hmm. and an out- altitude. I mean, that's the number one thing. If you were to yeah. told me, okay, Miami had an off night with something, what would you, you know, what is it? I would have said probably three point shooting. That's the number one thing I'm with you. I think I thought Denver played re- really good defense tonight and, and there still were a handful of shots that you look at and say, man, they're going to hit those, including one in the fourth quarter, by the way. I think when it got to nine, I can't remember if it was nine or 11 at the time, but there was a wide open three in the corner that they missed that I just remember thinking if he hits that, you know, once it gets down to that seven, eight zone, that's where it starts to get a little uncomfortable when you've had a big lead. But yeah, Duncan Robinson had one in the fourth quarter where he dribbled twice, sidestepped and like took yeah. a breath and just yeah. planked it off the planked off it. the backboard. Um, And so... So there's that part of it. I think the other part of it, though, is that Denver does not run a lot of drop coverage in pick and roll traditionally. They ran it almost exclusively tonight, funneling the ball towards Bam Adebayo. I mean, I have to imagine this was a very atypical shot distribution for the Miami Heat. 25 attempts for Bam, only 14 for Butler and Vincent, the next closest guys. So he's almost taking twice as many shots as anyone else. And again, I think that was by design. This is why I think game two is going to have a completely different personality to it and rhythm and strategy. This was a game where I thought Denver said, we're going to drop. We're going to play conservative. We don't want them to get us in rotation. And we're going to lure them to getting the ball to Bam for these little jump shots. And he had a great game. He made a lot of them. But again, at the end of the day, Denver is going to outscore Bam shooting jumpers. Yes. Uh, And I think part of it too is daring – the the role players to make shots and you know boston did this they experimented with some drop coverage at the end of that series milwaukee played drop the knicks play drop but they usually play drop anyway uh and, and the heat have beaten those drop coverages on the way to getting here to the nba finals but um i just think that denver's size is so much different compared to those other teams that when they tr- really make a effort to clog the paint and take it away from somebody like jimmy butler it really works you know and um you're right. There, if if Bam is gonna just if Bam is gonna take 24 shots a game, and most of those are gonna be on those the floater kind of thing. Like even if he hits those at 50, percent that's not yeah. efficient offense, you know. So uh, I think you're right about it. The one thing I am interested to see is how much in the fourth quarter we started to see Bam facilitate a little bit more in those high low actions and stuff. He had a missed free uh, Denver missed a free throw. Bam got the rebound, sprinted in transition. Jimmy Butler cutting. Uh, those are more of the opportunities I think the Heat need to get to so that Denver can't get into that drop coverage. And it kind of goes back to the lack of turnovers that Miami forced too. If you're able to kind of get on the break and do all those things, a lot more of those uh, transition opportunities, those slashes into the paint, all that stuff obviously becomes more uh, available. So, And this is the luxury, by the way, Wes, of Denver's offense because Denver's offense puts so much pressure on you that when they get a lead, a 15-point lead, they get to start to dare you to beat them through things that feel good. Like, all right, I got a little eight-foot jumper. But it's like, yeah, if you get a steady diet of that, Denver's okay with it. And, and that's the difference. You're right. They've seen these coverages from other teams. The difference is 
if you miss one of those little jump hooks or this or that, Denver's adding to their lead every time. And I think Miami kind of felt that. And Bam, I think early on in a nice rhythm, doing some things later on in the game, you could kind of see we're down 15. What am I doing right now? I'm open in the paint. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to go with this? Yeah. And that was the pressure I thought Denver put him on him. But again, Spolster, I think his adjustment is going to be to use Bam differently, not to necessarily say, let's get him the ball there. I think, okay, how do we take advantage of Jokic being out of position to open up other more high variable, uh, high value shots for the heat? I think maybe trying to use Bam as like a Jokic light too, top of the nail. If you're going to go all this side to side movement to try to to loosen to to spread Denver's size out and away from the basket, having Bam in the middle is sort of the fulcrum and kind of moving the ball from one end to the other and, and getting those things involved. When I look at some of the other trends in this game, the fact that the Heat just took two free throws is pretty glaring compared to 20 free throws for Denver. I don't think that. I think Denver earned those 20 free throws, right? Like they put pressure on the basket over and over and over again. A lot of those free throws coming early in the game. I thought they earned them. Uh, on the flip side, I don't think it, it's a little surprising that only Haywood Highsmith had free throws for the Heat, none for Bam, none for Jimmy. But I also thought Jimmy didn't really force the issue all that much. Again, a little strange that he didn't get to the basket, to the free throw line once, but whatever. Like he wasn't really doing himself any favors and he took responsibility after the game saying that he has to be better and that that's, basically unacceptable to take zero free throws so um but that was another i think ripple effect of denver's scheme of you know dropping funneling the ball to bam you're you got to make all those shots you're not getting threes but you're also not getting drives you're not drawing fouls you're not doing any of that other stuff and i've just watched i've watched Jokic enough to know this is a real strategy with him yeah lure the ball to bigs and then a lot of people will say you know, D- Denver won the game tonight by a lot, but boy, I sure felt like uh, Rashawn Holmes outplayed Jokic. And it's like, nope, that's that's by design. Get him the ball there and let him go for 25 because that's not going to beat what Denver's doing on the other end. Jimmy Butler's a superstar, though, and at some point you just got to do it. You just got to get to the basket. You got to figure out a way to make it happen. None of those pump fakes, none of that kind of stuff to bait those guys. Like, I didn't really see much of that, and that's usually yep. where – like Jimmy Butler doesn't get fouls the way that somebody like uh, Russell Westbrook or John Morant does when yep. they just drive to the basket in a, in a flash and just force you to foul. No, he's he's Love Dwayne Wade. He's James Harden. He's slow motion. Go get down there. Pump fake, pump fake, pump fake until you finally get somebody to bite and they fall on your shoulder. And now he's at the free throw line. Uh, I, I think we'll see a more aggressive Jimmy Butler. And that's the key. When you lure a team into open shots, you know, sometimes it's like, hold on. They're wanting us to do this. Got to put our head down. Don't settle for that. Put your head down. Attack Jokic. Challenge him. You might miss three, four in a row, but you want to draw fouls, and you want to eventually put the pressure on him to start making some of those baskets and force an adjustment. Anything else? Um, You cover the Nuggets. I cover the Heat. Anything you want to ask about um, the box score this game before we move on to the Denver side? I think – I just – I'm curious, you know – if there is another guy that you think, I mean, there were so this, the height thing to me is the big story. Mm-hmm. I just felt like Denver was so much Agreed. bigger at so many different positions. And Kevin Love, obviously a pretty loud DNP. I know he hasn't been playing, but is there is it him? Is it somebody else that you just think, hey, maybe they try it out because why not? I was surprised we didn't see Kevin Love in this game. I thought we would see Kevin Love and Cody Zeller in this game just for Spo to be like, I don't know, let's throw both of them out there, see which one works better, and maybe that's our backup big for the next few games of this series. I think we'll see Kevin Love in game two. I think you have to try it. He's too good. And he can, like, when you talk about trying to get ahead of Denver's defense and just try to outrun them, those Kevin Love outlet passes, 
you know, we didn't really see a whole lot of the Kyle Lowry kickaheads. I thought we'd see more of those in this one. Like those are the kind of things like when you're trying to kind of even the playing field in terms of Denver's scoring offense, like just kind of creating four to six points out of thin air out of those hit ahead passes. That's a really kind of good way to get there, right? If you can kind of get those freebies. So um, I, I was a little surprised we didn't see Kevin Love off the bench. I think we'll probably see him in game two is my guess. I think so too. I think we will. All right, well, let's talk about the Denver side. What are they trying to maintain from game one going into game two? What could we see different from them? I don't even know that the Nuggets played their best game, honestly. We're going to talk about that next year, Locked on NBA. Thanks again for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Uh, Adam, it was a, it was a, I, I thought it was a shellacking by Denver. I thought they just completely crushed the heat. You and I agree on this. The size to me was the big story here. But in terms of just an execution standpoint, what stood out to you about Denver? Well, I thought, again, Denver, I just think was locked in. Defensively, I thought they were very good. Again, their game plan. I said this um, in the Phoenix series. When Denver Denver's defense looked good, I said part of this is a gimmick because Phoenix is limited and Denver's able to get away with something. I thought Denver was able to get away with something in tonight's game. And so it made... So as much as they were locked in, the getaway with was playing Jokic and drop, luring Miami in. And I think Miami, I don't want to say they fell into the trap, but, you know, the game got away from them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to be more prepared to say, hey, we're not going to allow you to do that. Does Denver's defense hold up after that? We'll find out. I thought it was great tonight. I thought Michael Porter in particular was phenomenal tonight defensively. Caleb Martin tried him a few times early and it went really poorly and they never tried him again. And, And that's kind of been the thing for him. Um, but for Denver on the offensive end, three quarters of this game, I think this game was not close at all. To your point, was an absolute shellacking. I'm curious when I go back into the tape to see what happened in that fourth quarter, mm-hmm. if it was just missed shots or if there was something that Miami found. Yeah, it felt like Denver kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. But I, I think one of the things that the, the Heat found was uh, just ways to get into – the paint whether I, I think I mentioned the 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 bam uh in transition off the free throw. There was another uh uh bam high low to Haywood Highsmith cutting back door. Like having somebody in that dunker spot, I think is gonna be a real big way that I think I think we'll see an adjustment from Miami in game two. Okay. That I don't think that that's players in the dunker spot is not new for NBA teams. How does Denver adjust to that? Um, but also like Jimmy as a facilitator, kind of creating pressure. There's a drive. He drew a double, kicked it out to Haywood Highsmith in the corner. That's what made it a nine-point game with two and a half minutes left. So um, I think there's things there. Um, so I, I think I'm with you. Like the, in the fourth quarter, I'll have to go back, obviously, into the film and watch it also. But when I was watching it from the Heat perspective, not to turn it back to the Heat perspective things, but I would watch that quarter and be like, all right, what can we grab from this that we think might work? Because Jimmy and, and Spo, these guys are problem solvers, and and it just felt like they were trying. They were just starting to maybe solve that problem. But um, I'm curious, like with the with Aaron Gordon in that first quarter, twelve points in the first quarter with him. Like, do you think that's a, that's a mismatch? Do you think that that's going to be something against Miami's smaller starting lineup that they can sort of rinse repeat as the series goes on? I think Miami had to make a choice against Denver's starting lineup tonight to stick close to Michael Porter or to help out inside on, on Aaron Gordon. And again, it, a lot of this has to do with the matchup. Just it, 
Aaron Gordon's like Julius Randle. He's strong. As, he's just so strong. Mm -hmm. And he knows how to use that size. So it's not about like Caleb Martin guards big guys, but not all big guys know what to do with that. Aaron Gordon just knows exactly. And Jokic with the chemistry and be able to give him the passes right on point. He just knows how to do that. So in my opinion, look, this was one of my big predictions coming into the series. I thought it was going to be a huge series for Aaron Gordon because of that very thing. If you don't have a traditional power forward to mix up with match up with him then he just muscles you around and so yes i do think that is a thing and then as the game wore on i thought miami gave more help you've got kcp and michael porter they chose porter and porter missed his shots tonight by quite a bit in fact Wes, this is actually the second worst three-point shooting performance of the playoffs by the nuggets mm -hmm. so it's another area when we look at things that denver can be better at they only want shot worse than this it actually came in a win against phoenix every other game has been above this one so I think Denver even has, believe it or not, a probably a little bit more. It's just the thing that gives me confidence about the Nuggets all season, and what gives me confidence about them as even as the playoffs have gone on, is that you can't take away everything, and unless you have a very specific type of personnel, every time you adjust one direction, it opens something up in, in another direction. And so, yes, I do think that uh, Aaron Gordon is going to continue to put pressure on Miami, and if they over adjust. Denver's three-point shooters are going to have a lot of open looks. Did you think that the looks weren't as open in this one? No, I think they were. I just think Denver missed them. I, I, again, Michael Porter in particular. I mean, there's only two yeah. guys that missed them. It was Jamal Murray and Michael Porter. Murray made a enough of his other shots that you probably in one hand out the other. If he makes a couple more here, maybe he misses a couple of those fallaway two-pointers that he made. But Michael Porter, to me, two of 11. Uh I've only seen that a handful of times from yeah. him. He is a absolute dead-eye shooter when he's open, and he was open a lot tonight. Yeah, and it's not like the Heat have guys at his height kind of closing out on him and putting a hand in his face. Like It's like Max Struess going out there. You know what him, I mean? Him and Struess are both going to shoot the ball better in game two. Both of those guys yeah. probably in a way that more or less cancels each other out. I agree. Um, anything else from this? I, I think the way that Miami played Nikola Jokic – I think I was a little surprised by it felt like they wanted him to be a passer almost. Yeah. And Same, I was surprised. I, I, you were surprised by that too. Yeah. I just think that Jokic, the passer is scarier than Jokic, the scorer. Jokic, the scorer is incredible, yeah. but his as a passer is, is historic. Um, and, and again, that's another thing. I just think they do. I don't know if it's just as simple as we're staying home, go one-on-one -on -one with Jokic and see what happens. But I do think they're going to mix in some different I, – I, I would guess that Jokic scores more in game two and maybe assists a little bit less. How much so? We'll find out. The number, though, that stands out to me, and I don't really have a – again, this will be something I key in on, on rewatch, but Jeff Green was a minus eight in 11 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I remember – I think he was a positive in his first minute, like first part of his first stint. So I'm looking at that going – one of the fears I had for Denver in the series was Denver's bench has been a net neutral all playoffs which is great for them because their starters are so powerful. The fact that their bench was, you know, and Jeff Green showed up as a minus eight in such limited minutes makes me wonder, hmm, I wonder if there's something there strategic for Miami that they know they can put pressure on Denver by dominating those minutes. And I think the Heat need to try to get Denver into those minutes more because none of their starters were in foul trouble for Denver, right? And that's because... Jimmy wasn't putting pressure, not getting in the foul line, did over Bam. Like these guys just weren't doing that. Uh, Kyle Lowry wasn't really drawing any fouls, you know, with, with his usual flopping and all that kind of stuff. So 
I think they need to do more of that to force Denver into those bench lineups and and, and get those guys off the bench because 20 minutes for Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown's awesome. He's basically a starter, six starter. Christian Brown, eight minutes. Jeff Green, 11 minutes. Like, can you get them to go deeper into that bench? Because I think it was like every time Miami made a run, it was because that bench group was in. And then they would, the Nuggets would put Jokic in or Aaron Gordon or somebody else back in, Jamal Murray. And then, you know, the Nuggets would end the run and take off and go back up to by 16 points or whatever. So. And it was a luxury to be able to play. I mean, 44 minutes for Murray, 43 for Porter, 40 for Jokic. Again, when you have a nine days off, I think Malone trusted those guys can handle it. And then on top of that, three days off going into game two. We'll see if that trend continues. I suspect that those starters will play a minute or two less as this goes on. But um, tonight, at least they were able to get away with it. Uh, I got one more heat point, just sort of an injury update. But do you have anything else on Denver? Uh, I don't think so. I think that more or less wraps it up. Yeah, KCP is another guy. Seven points, three rebounds tonight. It wasn't loud, but he was another guy that just wasn't very active tonight. So I'm kind of curious to see if Miami adjusts and picks him as the guy to dare to shoot in game two. I don't know. They really missed Tyler Hero tonight. Miami did. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that Hero is going to try to give it a go for game two. That, to me, stands out as something. There was a lot of conversation. Does Hero even belong in this series? Are the Heat better off without him? Watching tonight's game, I was like, they could use somebody like Tyler Hero off the bench to just kind of create some shots that weren't there, especially from three-point range. So we'll see what happens. Sunday night, game two, um, they'll have it on the Locked on NBA Monday show. Thanks for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. Every day is make sure that you're subscribed. The show's going to be back on Monday with the biggest stories from around the NBA and a recap, obviously, of that game two. In the meantime, you can find me over at Locked on Heat, Adam over at Locked on Nuggets. Adam, I'll see you around. We'll see you around.